0: And this has to be the start of Edmonton's next book. This can't be a chapter. So that's where I think this project will live on, is making sure that this is gonna be one chapter of many in Edmonton's history.
1: I I love the idea of Izina because it talks about the women as people with a story. They're not just a statistic.
2: We've been there only for a couple of months now, and uh, the perspectives that are shared at the table and the lived experiences that are shared at the table and how those are actually helping us make better decisions is really the reason that why we need to have diverse voices in every aspect of our city.
3: Hello, my name is Olivia Beauty. Welcome to Searching for Izena, on womanly stories of female leadership at Edmonton City Hall, brought to you by YWCA Edmonton, Parity Yeag, and several past and present Edmonton City Councilors. 100 years ago on December 12, 1921, Edmonton elected its first female councillor, Izena Ross. Over the past century, only 30 women have followed in her footsteps, including me. This nine-part podcast, generously sponsored by the Edmund Community Foundation, will tell that wildly incomplete chapter of our city's history, the good, the bad, and the ugly. You will get to meet the 31 female councillors and learn more about why they ran and how they shaped our city and there are still barriers that need to be broken even in 2021 now let's get started our hosts for this political journey are stacy Brotzel and kim ann wilson
4: good afternoon everyone and thanks for joining us usually we're in a very small studio with a bunch of electronic equipment and and microphones and now we get to see your faces as we do this live
5: it's awesome it's awesome good to be here everyone thank you for joining us
4: yeah this is our final podcast of this is the 10th podcast of searching for izina unwomanly stories of female leadership at city hall and we're we're recording this live at the downtown library the stanley a milner library and this is this is a day
5: to celebrate do we know what today is
4: Catherine you can't you can't no. weigh in on this one. <laughs> my mic's no oh my mic is on. <laughs> the
6: 100th anniversary today of the day that Izena Ross made history by being elected the very first woman to serve at Edmonton City Hall. Woo!
4: December 12, 1921.
5: Amazing.
4: That's incredible that we're all gathered here. After we searched for Izina for the last year and before that as well, we finally know her name. We're going to unpack a whole bunch of things. We're going to talk to uh, successful uh, candidates. We're going to be talking to people who have been on the podcast, people who have not been on the podcast. We're going to talk about what a difference this podcast made, right?
5: This This year has been a blur, but it's also been an amazing journey, and we're looking forward to unpacking that in this hour together.
4: Yeah, we're going to have a panel. Uh, we're going to have a couple of panels uh, today. Uh, and we just want to remind everyone that this is, of course, a joint project between the YWCA Edmonton and Parody Yegg. Yes. At this time, we would respectfully acknowledge that we are gathering on Treaty 6 territory and the traditional Metis homeland of Region 4. We acknowledge and celebrate the diverse Indigenous peoples whose ancestors' footsteps have marked this territory for centuries, from First Nations. Métis, Inuit, and now settlers from around the world. We do this to create awareness that we are all treaty people and to show recognition and respect for indigenous people and the traditional territories on which we live and work. It's important to note that we are joining you today, as we mentioned, from the heart of downtown Edmonton, the main library, which is located in the new ward of O'Daymon, an Anishinaabe word for strawberry or heartberry.
5: And obviously, this amazing year-long project would not have been possible without our amazing sponsors. So we would like to take this time to thank the Edmonton Community Foundation, Edmonton Heritage Council, the City of Edmonton, Edmonton Public Library, the Adams Agency, the Nataxui Derma Surgery Center, the Italian Center, and the Bridal Boutique. As well as Real Talk with Ryan Jasperson. The podcast music was generously provided by Edmonton-based writer and singer Lyra Brown. The project artwork was by Edmonton and London-based graphic designer Deanna Baines. So we thank you, thank you all.
4: Yes, thank you so much. What a year, what a year of change. When we started, when we first got involved in this podcast, there were ever 31 women elected to city council, now, we had to do a quick little math which we're not so which I'm not so good at, but now we're up to thirty eight women.
5: Thirty-eight.
4: A huge a huge leap.
5: Yes, yes. An amazing leap. Progressive leap.
4: Definitely. Right now though we do wanna move things along. The man of the hour. We were waiting for you, Amarjeet. <laughs> I'd like to introduce Mayor Amarjeet Sohi, who is going to bring greetings on behalf of the City of Edmonton, a former Edmonton City Councilor and Federal Cabinet Minister. And he was an early fan of Searching with izina I remember he messaged me on Twitter, and I'm like, oh my goodness, Amarjeet's listening, so that's fantastic. <laughs> he is accompanied today by his wife. Thank you so much for joining us, Sarjeet. Come on up, you've got a proclamation in your hands. I'll hand you the microphone.
2: Quickly take my mask off. Uh, first of all, uh, I also want to uh, start this uh, these remarks by acknowledging that we are gathered on uh, Treaty 6 territory as uh, the tradition is, uh, but for me and uh, sirjeet uh, uh, this acknowledgement is much much deeper not just ceremonial because uh, both of us came to this city as uh, as immigrants and we were able to uh, prosper here we were able to build our lives here and ability for us to uh, be part of the community and give back to uh, to make our contributions to uh, uh, to the to the community so it's is much much deeper for uh, for both of us i I am so thrilled to be here today with uh, uh, my council colleagues. Uh, Councilor Salvador is back there, she is here. Councilor Tang is here. Councilor Wright is here. Councilor Hamilton is here. And Councilor Stevenson is here. So, five of the eight dynamic women who are elected to this council, people who are working hard each and every day to make our city a better place. And I can tell you, I can attest to you, we've been there only for a couple of months now and uh, the perspectives that are shared at the table and the lived experiences that are shared at the table and how those are actually helping us make better decisions is really, the reason that why we need to have diverse voices in every aspect of our city and every aspect of our decision making and it's becoming so so apparent by the decision that we are making at council so i want to thank each and every one of you and uh, Raja, for your leadership and Catherine, your leadership, and everyone else, and it, is, uh, it would not have been possible. I've been uh, a big fan of the work you've been doing. It's a uh, lot of lot of neat things to learn about the uh, about the history. So I'm also honored that I, I get to proclaim this very very important day. So I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it. I think you want me to get out of my out, out of the way, and so you can get onto the to the rest of the podcast, right? Give her the calls, no. There you go. That's a nice way to say shut up and move on, right? <laughs> okay. Whereas 100 years ago, on December 12, 1921, Azina Ross became the first woman elected to Edmonton City Council. And whereas Azina was one of three women to run in 1921 election and by winning was able to put women's issues onto the agenda at City Hall. And whereas, while Azina was a trailblazer in her time, to date, only 37 women have held a seat on Edmonton City Council, including only one female mayor. And whereas the city of Edmonton understands representation matters and remains committed to gender parity and increasing women's participation in local politics. Therefore, I, Mayor Amarjeet Sohi, do hereby proclaim December 12th, 2021, Zena Ross Day in Edmonton, Alberta's capital. Thank you so
4: much, Mayor. Thank you so much. What an, this, this day is just getting so exciting. Oh, Raj is really, really giddy. Uh, we do have in the audience some former city councilors and we would like to acknowledge all of you. So can all of you stand up so everyone can give you a big round of applause. You are the trailblazers that brought us into this atrium today. Thank you so much for your service.
5: Okay, moving on to the next segment of our podcast today is our first panelist discussion. So first up we have Catherine O'Neill and Catherine is the CEO of YWCA Edmonton, a not for profit that has been a powerful voice for equity and social change in Edmonton since 1907. She is co-chair of the Searching for IZENA project and has worked on political campaigns all at three levels of government and is a former political reporter. Thank you, Catherine.
4: And we have Raja McGay with us. She is the Vice Chair of Research with Parity Yegg, an Edmonton-based organization that aims to create more pathways for women in politics. She is also co-chairing the Searching for IZENA project. Raja is a Research and Policy Advisor for Edmonton City Councilor Andrew Knack. All right, let's get into it. Wow. What an election. I know we're a couple of months after, we're post-election, but it's still really exciting, isn't it, for both of you. How do you think this campaign um, factored in when when you look at the results?
6: So when we started this project in January, we have to remember that only two of our councillors were female out of a council of 13. So we knew last January that we were heading into municipal election year um, and that we didn't know what was going to happen but we were going to try our darndest to make sure that we were going to at least reach parity because we've only ever done that once in our history before october so that was a huge goal and part of telling this story about our foremothers was to not only tell this untold story of our city but also to inspire women to step up and run. And boy, did we ever see that happen. And not only did they run, but many won. We had eight women, as we know, win a record number. And you know, we were getting calls from across Canada to talk about this historic win. other cities are watching what we're doing. And we are even looking, some cities are asking us, what did you do with this project? How can we recreate it in other cities and maybe possibly get some of that Ixena magic? So a really big project, I I mean, there was so much work done before this project, but I think that was a huge kickstart to help inspire folks to not only run, but our community to pull together and, and elect a really diverse council, a council that looks like the city it serves.
7: It's been pretty incredible. I honestly can't believe it. We thought we were going to get like maybe four, maybe six. And then election night came and you know, Catherine and I, we both ended up doing panels and the news that night on election day, and there was a little break when we didn't have to be on air, when we could just watch the election results came in. And there I am watching name by name come in, and it's all these female candidates that I know and have seen around the community. It was like, Anne, Ashley, Karen. And I was like, they're crying. And my partner is like, when do you need to be on? I'm like, oh, i like 10.30, I'm fine. <laughs> So it's it's pretty incredible and I you know, I, I can't believe it, but um it, it does speak to how much work we still have to do. You know, the YWCA has been around for decades now and you know, we're still fighting against um, inequities in terms of you know, problems that women face in our community and, and gender diverse people face within our community. So we acknowledge this and there's also a duality where we need to know that there's still a lot of work to be done but this is an amazing first step for us. That's
5: true. Okay, that's true. The work that you guys or that's been put into this by the volunteers and by your individual organizations, talk a little bit about the amount of work that was put into it especially in number 1 finding Aisena. And number two in digging up stats about, you know, who's ran before, especially women of color. Like, you yeah. know, what was that like? Yeah.
6: You know, and that was a big part of the project. We went into it not even able to find an original photo of Isena for two months. You know, it just didn't exist. It wasn't in the archives. It wasn't in places where you would thought it would be. So we you know, all countless hours dozens of volunteers on their own time during a pandemic, when the library wasn't open during most of it, the archive was closed. We had to do this incredible research project, but we still persevered. And so finding not only the pieces of history, but the data. Before we started the project, no one knew that we'd only ever had 31 women elected. We had to go through and physically count the sheets. We also went and said, who hasn't made it to council? And we found out that We had never elected a woman of color or an indigenous woman to counsel. Um, And that was by our research. So that data wasn't lying around and it took a lot of hours, a lot of dedication to the project over so many zoom calls that uh, (laughs) incredible amount of zoom calls. And so that's what's so inspiring is that, you know, you can do this work and then you can go to the public and share those details and then the public responded. So very exciting that we were able to kickstart that. And we are gonna be now turning this information over to the archive. We're gonna be working with the Edmonton Heritage Council. We're gonna keep this project alive so that we can keep building the story because it doesn't end today. We have to keep telling the story because we are far from having total success when it comes to gender parity on council. Yes, we have a great result this time, but we could go back and backslide if we don't keep up. So. That that I have to thank the volunteers, and many are in the crowd, for just believing in this project, and 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 truly doing hard work uh, when it wasn't clear where we were headed. So thank you.
7: Yeah, and I just wanted to to touch on. You know, before when we were working on this project, there had never been a BIPOC woman ever elected onto Edmonton City Council. And we have one in the audience today. We have Councilor Karen Tang, Councilor Jennifer Rice for the first woman of color ever elected onto Edmonton City Council. And and that was a glass ceiling I was really looking forward to shattering. Um, and... Even with the representation of our mayor now, Mayor Armageddo, he is the first person of color to be elected as mayor. You know, I I work in City Hall and and walk those halls, and there are these glass displays that have all the previous mayors, and they they pretty much look very similar aside from Jan Reimer, who's there, and and to see diversity on it's. It's past representation, it's, it's not just a nice to have, it's a necessity for our city now, so we can actually contribute and have diverse policies in place as well. So,
4: I know you probably wanna take all the credit, and if you do, uh, go ahead. But, but how much did this awareness, did this movement, the Searching for iZena podcast, whether it's all of the events that you held over the last year, um, and and probably it is, people didn't know the numbers. People didn't know that women were perhaps underrepresented. Um, How much did this make a difference? I think it did in the way, it made a big difference, but
6: many hands over many years did a lot of work, and we are, it's It's been decades and decades of work and we were just able to really kickstart at the, the end. But I think being able to tell that story to the media, being able to s- tell that story to community groups, to candidates, to politicians, was really important because, again, framing that and telling folks this is what's happening and we have to do better. And we were able to tell just a really incredible story by we had we know, we, were, we tracked down the very first woman of color to ever run in our city. She ran in 1974, she lives in India now, she's a women's rights expert, but we found her. Think about that, and it really made for an exciting story. And I think first and foremost, we have to be really good at telling our stories, and unfortunately, women's stories over the last decades, no matter it's politics, any sector, are not well told, and we can do better, and we must do better, so that things like this, we can do, we can do projects like this and inspire people to change what our council looks like.
7: And I think, you know, the first woman of color who ran, she didn't even know that she was the first until we told her, and I think all women who run, it's amazing that they're a part of this history. You know, when when we see the pictures of them on the displays in our exhibit, they really are a part of this history and it's a part of this mosaic that is telling the story of Edmonton to our future selves and to future Edmontonians to come.
4: And if you want to hear her, she's on the podcast called Zero. I think that's number four. Uh, if you did miss that conversation with the first woman of color to ever run uh, for Edmonton City Council.
5: That was a great episode. Um, um, But I want to know from you ladies, um, going into the 10th episode today, looking back, what would you say was your favorite episode and why?
6: All of them, but <laughs> of course. All of them, but you know which one I loved. Um, hi, Jan Reimer. She's <laughs> yeah. just sitting right there, and she, <laughs> yeah. she was episode one. three, so that was a great one. But you know which one I loved because I it was it was in February when it came out. It was episode two, and it was the story about Izena and Margaret Crane, and they were our first and second counselors. And the story of Margaret Crane should be a movie that could be sold around the world and sell out incredible story and Paula Simons, Senator Paula Simons came to help us tell that story and it was so fun and I remember it was kind of at the height of one of the third or fourth lockdown. I'm losing track at this point point. and it, I just felt like I was sitting there and someone was telling me the best story I'd ever heard and it just really connected me to our community in a way that I really needed at that time and all of our episodes I think are really good at storytelling and bringing you in but that one, I love that one. It just made me laugh and laugh and laugh.
7: I think that one, too, because Margaret Crane, she was in her early 20s, I think. I think she, she was 23. Uh, for reference, I'm turning 22 in December 28. <laughs> uh, just by the way, guys, it's my birthday coming up soon. <laughs> <laughs> but to to hear that she got, like, two degrees, three degrees, three degrees and went on to run for city council, kicked by, and just didn't, you know, take flack from anyone, even back then. That was an incredible episode in the way uh, Paula Simons told it too, because she just and did nothing, a deep dive into it. And
6: our city has named a tiny, tiny little park about her. The city doesn't know her story. And I think, again, this project is over today, this part of the project, but we need to name more things after these folks in our city and really celebrate them because Margaret Crane, every, everyone should know her name and we don't. So those those episodes are so special because no one knew who she was, and now we know her name.
4: And speaking of parks, named after a female trailblazers at uh, City Hall, of course recently, the Jan Reimer Park opened, finally. So congratulations, Jan, and we'll be uh, hearing from our first female, female mayor coming up in just a little bit. And you're right, these stories would not have been told if not for this project, and you should be very proud of what you have accomplished, and the legacy, and the knowledge that you have given to our city and to our change makers. So thank you so much, ladies, for all that you did uh, to to make this project. And I know it's been really hard and I know <laughs> countless Zoom meetings, I get it, uh, but uh, you should be very proud of, of the work that uh, that you've done on this. Yeah,
6: And thank you to, to our hosts because you guys have helped be the narrators of this incredible story. So we really th- wanna thank you, Stacy and Kim Ann for bringing so much passion to the project and to being such, you know, early adopters and, and, and so excited to, to help tell this story. So thank you. I spout
4: stats wherever I go. <laughs> did you know? Because I did not know before this. Uh, so yeah, uh, once that's another thank you for, for in, uh, educating me on our own city that I've lived here most of my life and I did not know that Izena Ross was the first woman elected to Edmonton City Council. Thank you so much. We are going to take a bit of a break and we're going to assemble our next panelists, um, but stay seated, don't go anywhere, because it'll be just a quick little change around. We're gonna press pause on the podcast so they don't ha- hear us all shuffling around and we'll be back in uh, within uh, seconds. Thanks so much.
3: Thank you for listening to Searching for Iseena. This podcast was made possible thanks to the generous financial support of the Edmonton Community Foundation. We also want to thank the Edmonton Public Library, the City of Edmonton Archives, the Adams Agency, and Ryan Jesperson for the generous use of his Real Talk recording studio. Check out searchingforizena.com for a full list of this project's sponsors, partners, and committee members. Searching for azina has been largely powered by volunteers from across the capital region, from research to social media to marketing. Volunteers of all ages, backgrounds, and political leanings are helping bring Searching for azina to life during a pandemic and countless Zoom calls. Thanks to the former and current Edmund City Councilors who have helped us tell their important stories.
5: Now, back to Searching for IZena. Welcome back to the final Searching for Aizina podcast. We have a great panel assembled here today. Some have been on the podcast, others are newbies. So welcome, thank you for joining us ladies. And she's also a newbie on city council too.
4: I think everyone's been on uh, the podcast except for Karen. First, I'd like to introduce, and I've already called her out a couple of times while she was sitting in the audience. Now she's sitting next to me. Jan Reimer served at Edmonton City Hall for 15 years between 1980 and 1995. First as a three-term councillor, then as a two-term mayor. She was the first and still only woman to be ever elected to the mayor's chair in Edmonton in 1989. During that same election, Edmonton also elected more women than men to council. For the first time, seven women were elected that year. Jan currently serves as the executive director at the Alberta
5: Council of Women's Shelters. Next, we have Bev Eslinger and she served as a counselor at Edmonton City Hall from 2013 to 2021. She worked on several initiatives during her two terms to help open up more pathways for women to serve in politics or other leadership positions in our community. She is a former Edmonton Public School Board trustee. Bev also helped start the Searching for Izena project and is a member of the project's steering committee. Karen Tang was
4: first elected to Edmonton City Council on October 18th. A historic number of women, eight, were elected to council that night. Made Raja cry. (laughs) History was also made this fall when Tang and Jennifer Rice became the first women of color to be elected to Edmonton City Council. Before entering politics, Karen was a teacher, public health advocate, and community organizer.
5: Last but not least, we have Nafisa Bowen, a podcast guest returnee. (laughs) Nafisa is a longtime community builder and political organizer in Edmonton, including most recently as co-chair fundraising for the Amarjeet Sohi mayoral campaign. Nafisa ran for city council in 2017 and is one of only 21 women of color to seek a seat at Edmonton City Hall between 1974 and October 2021. Nafisa currently works for the Stollery Children's Hospital Foundation as a senior development officer.
4: Thanks for joining us, ladies. Jan, let's start with you. As you were sitting at home, because I don't know if you're still a political junkie or not, but I'm, cer- I'm certain you have your finger on the pulse of what's going on in the city. You're sitting there watching, you're listening to the results in September. What were your thoughts as, as one of the people, uh, well, the only woman to smash the uh, glass ce- uh, ceiling at City Hall?
8: I think it was wonderful to see what was happening both uh, here in Edmonton, but also to see Calgary fa- finally following suit with a woman mayor as well a- after a long last, and a number of other municipalities as well. It was just just a really exciting evening, and uh, hats off to everybody who knocked on doors, who opened their wallets, and who are prepared to give women a chance, because I think quite often, you know, it's hard to fundraise. It's hard to get the, atten- the media attention, and it takes a lot of perseverance. So hats off to everybody who ran, and really a special congratulations to those who have now really tipped the balance on City Council.
4: Bev, it was kind of a bittersweet night for you, wasn't it? You started this, this project, and I know that you or your assistant was on every um, Zoom call making this happen. Uh, unfortunately, in September, you lost your seat
1: yes and um that's politics but uh, at the end of the day eight women were elected i served for eight years so i figured that's a pretty good legacy
4: (laughs) it certainly is Uh,
1: but to me you know as i as was excited to see so many women there and as much as i would have loved to serve with women rather being alone one or two of us um i i'm I'm sure it's changed politics in Edmonton forever. we just got more work to do yet. We don't have women running in every ward yet. So I think there's still things for us
4: to do. Karen, you kind of liked the results on election night, hey?
9: Yeah, no, absolutely. I I actually felt quite bittersweet as well. Um, It was really exciting. Of course, you know, I ran this. That was my second. This was my second election. You've been kind of working at something for years and years and you finally get it. And it's really exciting. Um, But I remember at the time when the news headlines started to roll and the words BIPOC started to come up that, you know, I think at the time when they announced um, my results that I was the first BIPOC woman to be elected. And I actually found that a little bit jarring because I'm not black, I'm not indigenous. I think I'm actually um, no a no small part of the diversity of human experience and representation. And there's so many people who are you know, not there yet, and we still have such a long ways to go. And that's why I think you know, when I reflect upon my experience for the last you know, five to six years, it's exciting to be here, but I also know how much more work you know, we need to do.
0: Um, I was fired up, um, I didn't cry, (laughs) I was like, finally, um, and I think because it just was time, um, seeing Jennifer and Karen elected as, um, breaking that glass ceiling was just so rewarding in terms of all the work that's been done towards that, um, having Emergeed elected, women of different places in their life as well. So, like Karen and I met at Opening Potential, and that was 2015, 16? 2016. 16, and we were both pregnant. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, Sarah has a new mom, so it's just, it was just fi- this moment of finally. And for me, it was like, okay, now, now this is where we're at, and this has to be the start of Edmonton's next book. This can't be a chapter. So, that's where I think this project will live on is making sure that this is going to be one chapter of many in edmonton's history
5: i agree with you ladies for starting a movement right that's what the searching for id Ixena project did at the start of january and looking back now we're in december we're on the 100th anniversary of the first ever woman to be elected looking back in the past year to see how many amazing women who now are sitting in city council as women yourselves, right? And now having that representation, what do you think or what should we hope to happen next? Not just hope, but what should we do to ensure that this stays as a consistent thing rather than just a, a, a you know the the second time in 200 year, right? Jan, what do you think?
8: Well, I think first and foremost it's to support them and to gather around them to make sure they have all the knowledge and support that they have. I mean, I think if you look back, I think it was Charlotte Witten who said something like, um, when she was the mayor of Ottawa, the first woman mayor of a major city. And you know, um, to, be a, you know to be a woman, you have to be uh, thought of as twice, to be twice as good as a man in order to be thought of as half as good and then she said, fortunately, that's not hard. But you're still only considered half as good. Um, and I think that that's part of it. And I think the other side of that, too, is that women tend to be judged more harshly. Um, and so maybe two times more harshly than what men would be, at least. And you know, they have to look back at you know, Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump, to kind of see how that manifests itself. So you know, there's going to be a lot of high expectations for the women that we have on council. Don't let them down, but remember, uh, it's really hard slugging, and they need our support, and they need to know they can call on us
4: for their support. So what what does that look like, Bev? What does that look like?
1: I've actually given this some thought because when you look at history um, in throughout Alberta, throughout Canada, many times women are elected, but they don't stay and serve as long as men. And so why not? And now that we have eight women elected, how do we make sure that we continue to keep them elected and running and interested, and interest others in joining them? Um, It's really about the support that they need to, individually, they need to create a support system around themselves. I remember being the only woman thinking, hmm, you know, the guys don't ask, do you wanna go for lunch? So I created my own support system You know, and I met with some really dynamic women on a regular basis because I needed women that would be honest and, and talk to me and support me. And so I think they need to create that support system. And we need to come alongside them and create those support systems and figure out what's going on and not wait till the four years are up before we do this check and say, you know, what can we do to help? It's a little bit late then. Uh, And I think uh, giving them tools and the one thing that I noticed uh, Social media is a lot harder on women than men. You just have to look at the last campaign Um, In in my riding there was two women and we were treated way differently than the men Um, It was very negative But we as a collective society can call that behavior out, but often we just ignore it but it, it is draining. And there's women that are afraid to run because they watch what's happening. So I think we need to say it's enough is enough. You don't treat people like that anywhere.
4: And that was episode six of Searching for Izina. And Nafisa, you shared your stories when you ran. Um, and and it wasn't, it wasn't always great, was it? And, and perhaps this is what Karen, um, experienced on, on on the campaign trail, being a woman and a, and a woman of color, um, there was some backlash. Yeah, I think you just,
0: on top of everything that you're doing as a candidate, and then you see other candidates who don't have that on top of it, and it's a huge burden to your emotions and yourself, and so I think with that, it's, that has to stop like we need to be more vocal we need to we need to block or, or you know keep doing those things support organizations that help with that but we also need to lift women up in those moments and we need to be the ones who say you know take that burden not off of them and say that's not right or you know you're, you're wrong you're, you're seeing something and so we also need to be the ones who celebrate ourselves. So after the election was over, I saw some comments on Twitter that was saying that we didn't do enough. And like, I'm like on my couch, half dead. I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> I did a lot. <laughs> and so it's, it's, it's lifting each other up, or you know, in every moment you see it lifted up. Pick up the phone, call your counselor. If they're doing a good job, tell them they're doing a good job. We need to overwhelm the negative with the positive that we're doing, so we drown all that stuff up. So, their numbers are all very public, like, send an email, you're doing a good job, thanks for being my voice, thanks for representing me on that issue. We need to just be more vocal about the good we're doing, and just hopefully get rid of that bad.
1: I'd like to respond to that, because I can count on my one hand how many people called to say you're doing a good job. It's really true. We got a few emails, you get a few calls, but mostly it's not the happy people that are calling, so do that, because that would be really helpful. We want to get these women, stayed doing a great job, and keep them encouraged, so
4: do it. And you can see the look of fear on Karen's face. You can't listening to the podcast, but everyone here can. How was your experience running and? Um, uh, wasn't I wasn't.
9: I don't think I had an f- expression of fear. I was actually going to respond to something Bev mentioned. Uh, the lunches that you were talking about—they're actually pretty legacy. You know, I'm. Uh, we were recently at the the convention for the Alberta M- Urban Municipal uh, Association. I'm meeting lots of you know the. Uh, the counselors and mayors in the in the region and particularly for some of the women of color uh, you know, counselors they mentioned you know I'll oh, love those lunches you know and those things kind of get me through some of the hard times and I think one of the greatest things that I took away in 2017 and also you know this year is I think the community uh, that you become a part of and when we say what can we do I think the greatest thing we can do is to facilitate and and not create A different form of boys club, a different form of exclusive club. I think that is there's such a fine line Um, and you know on top of everything else that these ladies have mentioned I will also say I think initiatives like these are important because they change the narrative. Um, You know if I think back to 2017 I felt I was part of many more initiatives for women uh, in leadership Um, and uh, you know just the response I get at the door back in 2017 and now I have many more people to say, you know, I am ready, you know, I, I want to vote for, for a, a, a woman candidate. And, and I'm not the one saying that, you know, it's the response from the voters. And I wasn't really he- hearing that kind of response back in 2017. So I think things like this matter because it changed the narrative, it changes the environment, and that environment be- opens more doors for more people to participate
5: no, that's true. We talk a lot about stories, right? How important stories are. We're, we're starting from, you know, searching for Aizina and digging up her story, right? And that fed into the encouragement and the inspiration that's led to, you know, the, 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 the outcome of the election that we've seen this year. So with stories and keeping that in mind, what do you think we need to do to ensure that we keep this legacy going, right? Of having, you know, eight, ele- eight women elected this year, but come next election, we want to see more, right? We want to see um, a female mayor, right? Next time, um, um, Amarjeet, just just saying. <laughs> when you retire, Amarjeet, yeah. after you
4: retire. <laughs>
5: <laughs> right, what do you think we need to do to ensure that we have that... Um, you know, for next time or the time after that, but not having this as a one-off.
8: Well, I guess, first of all, I you can't just elect a woman as mayor every 100 years. <laughs> I mean, um, that's would be a huge improvement. I did a calculation. I think it would be 2152, uh, where we, if we look from the time when Edmonton was a town until and the number of me- years men have served, um, that women would have to serve. So, reflect on that a little bit. Reflect on all of the young girls who've never seen a female as in leadership positions. And think if it was reversed how all these young men up to 21, 52 would never have seen a male in a position of authority. I mean, it just maybe it's time to just kind of flip um, the mindset a little bit. And I think all of us really have to tackle misogyny. Like it is in the air we breathe, it's in the media we read, it is in the water we drink, it is everywhere, and it confronts us in so many ways, and society pays a huge price for it. So we need to call it out. And I think the comment about Lift Her Up, it's actually a campaign we started at the Alberta Council of Women's Shelters, Lift Her Up. And it started when um, Rachel Notley, when they were to say, lock her up, and uh, women's shelters, leaders from across the province said, That's no good, Like that's what happens when women are abused. And so we've gotta look at uh, how we do lift women up, and how we can support them, and how it's not an oddity. Like here we are, how many men are in this room, right? It's, It's still seen as, this is a bit of an odd thing, and we're celebrating it, but it's gotta be something that we all accept and expect. Uh, not something that's a one-off, and so that means talking to our sons, it means talking to our daughter, it means never being quiet about the barriers that women face. It means that there are more issues than are women's issues. I think many uh, female counselors could talk about how they were only asked to talk about child care. Um, or um, you know, I don't know, safety on transit or something, but never about economic development or whatever. Except for me, I kind of had the garbage thing. But um, you know, it was um, there was always never you know never thought about you know women could have um, you know opinions on other things, and we've got to get out of that mindset. That means not using that language too, right? It means really being straightforward, and that women have something to say on everything. And it means also in hiring policies, like I could go on this for a long time, but um, in, in terms of hiring policies, Eva looked out at the firefighter fighting department, how many women are there. Pat will remember you know, all the challenges we had in terms of even wanting to have a, a, a test that wasn't uh, gender biased. And if you look at engineering, I mean, just reflecting was um, December 6 not long ago, and, you know, we all remember how um, women uh, were killed because they were women in engineering school. But to this date, I think it's 14% of, um, uh, of graduates and faculty are female. And then they're, there that, and engineering is a big cost to the city of Edmonton. So think about how we, che- we question all of the things that we accept for granted, and don't be afraid of t- to challenge it. Um, because just because it's always been done like that, doesn't mean it still has to be.
1: That was actually one of my favorite things. People say, we don't do it like that. I said, oh, that just doesn't bother me. (laughs) We've got to change the narrative. And you know, I remember, uh, it's in one of the episodes too. Is Councillor Hamilton and I were supposed to meet for breakfast, and she goes, Can I push it back a little bit? I've actually been called by the media to talk about something real. Um, <laughs> we were so excited because um, we didn't get asked those questions. Um, you know, they always asked us the softball questions, so we could be standing right there. We actually know the issue. Um, so I'm really excited with seeing eight women that. There's more of them to ask some of those other questions to. Um, but that's something that we need to change. And I, I, I love the idea of Izina, because it talks about the women as people with a story. They're not just a statistic. Uh, one day, I said to Sarah, I said, I'm 30. She goes, no, you're not. I said, I'm not talking about my age. <laughs> I, she, I said, you're 31. She goes, I'm not. But we were 30 and 31 of of the number of women elected, and that was really overwhelming. But, you know, I'm more than 30 uh, in age, but I'm more than just being the 30th woman elected. We have stories and challenges, and if you talk to any of the former counselors, I'm sure there's a wealth of information of things they experienced and learned and championed That we don't know about. For me, school zones was the thing I came in the first thing I did. My first motion was to put school zones back in schools. Um, And I never got asked that question. I always got asked, How does it feel to be the only woman on council? Um, So I think get to know people and tell their stories. And I'm glad that David's here from Heritage um, because, you know, how do we capture these stories? What motivated them? And how do we do that? Uh, I think this is really important on carrying this legacy on, that we're not data, that we're human with stories, with families. Um, we, We did all those family obligations and we're a counselor. We can do it
9: can I just add to um, sort of this piece around uh, you know women elected officials tend to be given sort of women issues uh, and I'll just add to that you know and I think I've said this to a few community um, media folks just to say you know check you know do an investigation of the headlines and the stories that you cover during an election um, not just women issues I think there's also a racialized issues here um, look at how many times Racialized Canada has come up, and how many times they're actually headlined for the ideas that they're bringing. And how many times it's because of some kind of racist attack or issues around anti-racism. Because that makes us very one-dimensional, I think. Um, and I actually did my own little research and I was like, it's, it is disproportionate. And I think you know when we talk about changing that environment, what can we do moving forward and doing that storytelling? That's a huge piece. You know, look at look at people as multi-dimensional human beings and all the things that we can bring.
0: Can I just say I agree with everything? Oh, <laughs> wonderful! Ditto. Things. Yeah, ditto. Um, <laughs> So I, like a lot of what I was thinking has been said, so I will just go on a different thread of being uncomfortable, or sorry, being comfortable in the uncomfortable. Um, so as a person of color, I'm, I have often been challenging um, why things are done this way. Uh, I recently got a guest list, and um, I was looking through it, and immediately I was just like, oh my gosh, it is all white male, like all of it. it, it And I was busy doing something, and I kind of sloughed it away. And then someone else on this email thread made the comment, well, this is a room of all white male. And part of me was like, thank you for saying that. Like, I, like thank you for, for you saying that. And this person was not a, a person of color. And so it's like, I know that the things that I'm doing in my world to like, Question this or push that or like have you thought about this or you know that it is making an impact for others to share my lens of what it's like But that takes being uncomfortable because It's it's not it's not always easy. It may seem easy, but I I do it because it's important and I do it because I care But it doesn't mean that I'm always comfortable doing it So when I have others do it with me who share that with me It's someone else is an ally which I truly appreciate because it builds that momentum because now their spheres of influence are being influenced as well from them and so I think that's an important um, step moving forward is just you know can you look at things and if it's within your comfort to say something about it or to invite someone you know to come along to these events where they are predominantly male and bring someone who's not you know like do that
5: Thank you. That's awesome. Thank you, ladies. Um, So anyone in the audience, if you have a question that you would like to ask our panelists, now is your moment of opportunity. If you would like to ask a question, raise your hand and I will bring the mic to you. Anyone? Don't all put your hands up at the same time. Okay. (laughs) Okay. There we go. And as, as Kim Ann makes, our, uh,
4: makes her way into the audience, Jan, what did you think of your podcast episode? I know, I know, I, you know, it, you had a really rough time when you were in office as mayor uh, towards the end there. Was it hard sort of reliving all of those experiences again? That's an interesting question.
8: In some ways, yes, but I, I guess I was just saying earlier. You know, there's a lot of tough times in, when you're uh, running for council, but there's a lot of funny times too. Mm-hmm. And you could almost do something about the humor at City Hall and the humor that happens when you're a woman, because you've got to keep your sense of humor, right? And so sometimes when you start talking about women in politics, you, you, you know, there are lots of challenges. There's, un, you know, unending challenges. pressures not to be you, which is kind of the what you're talking about there, but. There is a light side, too, and there's lots of funny stories, and I think he could do a whole series on the the light side of Robbie. The Peter Pocklington story you
4: told was pretty awesome, and if you haven't heard the Peter Pocklington story, go to Searching for iZena wherever you find all of the high-quality podcasts. (laughs) Jan said she's still looking for the spoon as well. Hey, everyone.
6: Um, It's been really cool listening to you all talk about especially women in politics. And I guess my question is about women in politics behind the scenes. I have found that every time I go to spaces where it's about mostly support staff, there's not a lot of diversity there. So I'm wondering what you think about increasing diversity within support staff, whatever that looks like, because it's not it doesn't really end at getting more
10: diverse people elected, so.
4: Who wants to take? Oh, Karen, you
9: got your hand up. Uh, Yeah, I think about this all the time, uh, and I'll I'll, I'll actually take a step back to uh, on the campaign trail. When I during my first election, I was very keen on finding myself, you know, a female campaign manager, and so I like every coffee meeting I'm I'm having was like, who do you know can run a campaign? And uh, most of the time, the majority of those folks are men. Um, And then I think eventually I had to kind of shift my thinking to say, actually I'm looking for a really strong project manager, you know, and then all of a sudden that opened up so many more options. Um, And I think it it has to be really intentional and 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 anyways so you know the, even this time around uh, speaking of social media I made a very conscious effort to actually stay off of social media and have a very kind of very strict rules about social media for myself but I wanted you know young women of color to be my voice uh, it took some time but I think through that sort of intentional iterative process and talking to lots of different people and reframing about like what it is that you're looking for is it about a political voice or just someone who can tell good stories or who can write really well and I think that sometimes the criteria that
4: we look for in people uh, can open up a lot more doors too is there anyone else in the audience wanting to ask a question there we go
7: I was just wondering have your goals like changed from the beginning from when you started this podcast or have you really just been on the same thread this entire time
4: and that question came from the granddaughter of one of the 38 women elected so thank you so much for that insightful question
1: i'll start um you know when it first began we knew there was a hundred years of women and there was 31 of us um i don't think we ever envisioned where it was going to go um so did it change over time absolutely the one thing that never changed was how do we highlight the valuable contribution of all the women who were elected have made. And uh, my hope is, you know, this is all gonna be archived and we're gonna have that. But in another hundred years, they're not gonna be digging for our photos and digging for other stuff. So, you know, I think it's important for us to keep that. You know, and maybe the next project is about the humor. I, I don't know, I, I found that intriguing. I thought that might be an interesting, thing. but uh, to value the influence Just really, it was just that the incredible work that those 31 had accomplished and to honor that. And I'm hoping we'll have many more times to see what they've done.
4: Any more questions from our lovely library audience, Shirley Lowe? So I,
10: I have a comment and a question. Uh, the comment, I think people, I'm um, or heard that you're struggling with the fact that you want to be more than representative of women and and women of color. I think that's an important perspective. I think that uh, women live different lives than men do, regardless of what color you are, and um, even in your own ethnic communities. And I I think that that has to come up as well. I think there's a balance between uh, between being uh, a a, a a counselor who does everything uh, and as, uh, as Bev pointed out and somebody who says okay that doesn't work for us if we're women or that doesn't work for us if if we're women of color this this is a different way of looking in that door. So that's just my my take on that. Um, the other question is sort of a more specific uh, question to Jan. Um, the uh, Old City Hall didn't start out with any offices for aldermen and um, everybody, it was considered a part-time job and everybody met in the committee room and a lot of people got phone calls at home or had their offices out of their, their business or home offices. So I'm trying, I know that in 85 they redid the the, the councillors, or I guess they were aldermen at that time, sorry. Uh, but was there, when did, they, when did you actually get an office?
4: And of course, that Shirley Lowe is not just a regular <laughs> hanger on or here at the library. She is a city historian, and so you could basically tell that in your question. Thanks so much, Shirley. Jan?
8: Uh, well, I think uh, there were always the Aldermanic offices when I was elected. Uh, Pat was actually chair of the City Hall Committee for the brand new City Hall, so we actually ended up with an Aldermanic wing. Uh, but there were uh, counselors' chambers or aldermans or alderer, as they sometimes referred to us, um, uh, on the second floor of the old City Hall as well. So I'm not sure, it might have been even before that.
1: Mine isn't um, a question, it's um, an encouragement or uh, maybe some advice. I'd like to encourage the new women counselors to go beyond Edmonton and become involved in the Provincial Association, AUMA, uh, the Federal Association, FCM. Um, When I look at FCM, I'm not sure they've had a woman as uh, chair. Um, There have been very few women who have been chair of the AUMA board, so I would encourage you to take your influence beyond Edmonton into the province and into the federal realm.
4: And of course she's speaking from experience as one of the 38 councillors. Thanks Pat for that uh, question.
1: I just wanted to mention that there currently is a president of FCM is a woman and the next one will be a woman as well, Councillor Hamilton's represent there. I served there for seven years. It's an exciting uh, opportunity um, because I got to go speak around the world on what was happening. So I I think women have really moved there in in a big way and there's been a, a committee to increase women's participation. It's targeted work and now they're also working on gender-based
8: violence. Actually, that's, it. that's Thank it. to hear, I remember when I was first elected, and I went to my first day UMA. It was a unique experience, because all the men were lined up for the washroom, and I could walk right in.
10: <laughs>
1: <laughs> that used to be my experience at City Hall, too. I, I was the only woman. I had no lineups.
4: All right. Uh, Lots of things on your plate, Karen, as you go forward uh, after today and through, through your term. And, and you know, it's,
9: again, it's not just me. You know, we have uh, actually a wonderful team. I think uh, uh, I'm really excited to see some of my colleagues here, and I, uh, I have no doubt that we're going to be, you know, making some breakthroughs.
5: That's awesome. Once again, thank you to our lovely panel for joining us today and sharing their experience. We thank you, ladies.
4: Yeah, and thank you. Yes, a big round of applause. <laughs> and thank you in the audience for all of your support, uh, uh, just showing up, adding your voices to the podcast, um, adding your stories. At the beginning of this, we were searching for Izena. We found her. I think so. Yeah. yeah. We yeah. see her. Yes. And hopefully, and I think I don't think hopefully. I think I think we made her proud. I would say so so thank you so much edmonton thank you all of the women who were behind this this legacy project this movement yep. that we had in the city over the last 12 months
3: you've been listening to searching for isina brought to you by ywca edmonton Ye and several past and present Edmonton City Councilors. This is our final episode for Searching for Izena. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, keep searching for Izena.